Good to see you guys. It's kind of weird because it looks dark over here because there's a light that went out earlier. And it's like, man, just, I'm sorry, but you guys are in darkness right now. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You guys are not in darkness. Jeez. It just looks weird from up here. It's like, oh, I don't want to look down that way. I want to look into the light. I'm going to look this way. <clears throat> there, there is a saying that has been around since the beginning of time, I'm sure. Parents have been saying it probably since then, and kids have been hearing it for just as long. And kids have been trying to understand it since the beginning of time. Um, And they just can't. They can't until they become parents themselves. Then they can maybe understand it. Now they will understand it when they come older. But here's, here's the saying. This is going to hurt you more than it does me. You know? It's so funny that as parents, we, 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 we might say that, and I don't care how much you explain it to the kid, um, it just doesn't compute. You know? I mean, when they're crying and you're not, they're saying, I don't understand how you're saying it's going to hurt me. I'm crying, you're not crying. When they're like rubbing their little bottoms because, it, because of the pain... You know, it's almost like here you're standing there, not rubbing, um, and you're telling me that you feel the pain even more. And again, it just doesn't compute to the young, young kid, you know, he just doesn't comprehend it. And I think that it's the same way in our Christian life. When God, because we are his children... We don't quite understand with the Father's chastening. We don't always grab it as, um, as He disciplines us at, at times. And it's not until we get older, <laughs> as we mature in Christ, that, that we understand. And even then, sometimes we don't quite understand it. Even though you've been walking for a while in the Lord, you don't always grasp that. What we need to know and what we should know about God is that He is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign in every sense of the word. And again, this is why sometimes we don't quite comprehend it because He ultimately knows what's happening in our lives. He knows it before it happens. And because of that, we need to understand, and we should understand, that He won't allow something to happen to us like that just to hurt us. He's not that kind of a God. But this is where we, we sometimes get ourselves in trouble when we don't comprehend that. All of a sudden we become confused. And again, it, it, sometimes it comes with maturity. But even in, in, as a mature Christian, you don't quite grasp it. Why? Why is this going on? And, and, and there's bewilderment and perplexity happening in our lives going, Lord, I've been walking with you for all these years and why is this now happening in my life? And in our thinking, in our thoughts, we begin to question and say, why are you then allowing this to happen if you know it all? If you're able to intervene and you don't, God, why? Why is that? It's hard to understand that somehow this, what we're going through, touches him and hurts him, you know, and he feels our our sympathy, you know, or he feels it himself. It's kind of like, really? I don't know if you can or not, God, understand what I'm going through. But I think that, I, I think that the perspective that we should have, we need to have, is that it cost him more than it ever cost us. And, and I think that's why he, he understands that it does hurt. He, 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 he does. And when we hear 
that it will all turn out for our good. (laughs) In the middle of it, that He allows these things to happen in our life so that we can understand just how good He is. Sometimes it's like, really? It's hard for me to trust you right now, God. But when we can trust Him through those times, when we're going through the most difficult times, we begin to understand that it did cost Him. It cost Him everything. It cost Him His Son. And, and, and he was willing to pay that price even though we are being disciplined or chastised by the Father. Now, I need for you to understand that I've, I've been around, I've been a Christian for a long time. I, I've been around the block here. And I, I, I understand and I trust God totally. I understand what His Word says. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. I've been around enough to know that it is all true. But it doesn't make it any easier when I am going through it, when I'm in the middle of the chastening that God might be like, hey, Zeke, I need to correct you here. I need to chasten you. It doesn't make it any easier. And I have to battle just like we all battle when we are in the middle of the trial, the chastening of the Lord. When, 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 when I'm sitting around rubbing my bottom, my little bottom, going, God, I can't believe that you allowed that to happen. Okay, it's not that little either, but. Um, <laughs> but trying to understand that it will turn out for my good. Trying to understand that. And that it, it has and did cost him everything. Far more than I, it will ever cost me. See, he is a good parent to us. He truly is, guys. And we're going to be looking at chastising this morning um, and how a father chastises his children and why he does. So we're in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll cover from verse 3 to verse 11, but let's start in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when, he, when you are rebuked by Him. For whomever the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. If you endure chasti- uh, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not a son. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterwards, it it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. As we started this chapter last week, and we we saw how the writer has gotten away from the whole theme of faith, and not really the whole theme, he's still talking about it, 
<clears throat> but about all those people that have gone before us. He says, man, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Those who have endured, those who have gone before us. Endure this race, this race that is set before you. And when you get into this race, lay aside everything that will hold you back so that you can finish this race with endurance. Because what we are to do is to look unto Jesus. He is our goal. He is the author and finisher of our faith. That is what we're supposed to keep our eyes on, on Him. And if we do, we can get through this. Anything that comes our way, we can get through this race. Because He endured. And because He endured, we can endure. If we keep our eyes steadfastly on Him. And so he gets to the next verse and he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from, from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What the writer is saying here is that the readers are to put all this into perspective. Everything that they've been learning, everything that they've been reading through this letter, they're to put it all in perspective. And begin to consider Jesus only. Consider Jesus. <laughs> consider what He went through in comparison to what they were going through. Now, He wasn't saying that what they were going through was not real. That's not what He's saying. He, he, he wasn't saying that what, that, that what they were going through wasn't that bad. Don't be little babies about it. He's not coming down on them. He's just trying to help them put things in perspective. That whatever they were facing could be and would be bearable if their eyes were, were on Jesus. If they were considering Jesus, they could bear it. If they take their eyes off of Jesus, then it's going to be unbearable. But if they keep their eyes on Jesus, it will be bearable. As long as they are looking unto Him, He will get them through this. They were to consider, take full note of, and put things in perspective in regards to the hostility that Jesus went through. In comparison to the hostility that they were facing, that they were going through. And I don't know if you do this, but it's a good Good practice. And I know I do this oftentimes when I am like, oh, woe is me. Look at what I am battling with. Look at the things that I am facing right now. When I put things in perspective and I put my eyes on Jesus or begin to think of all that He went through on the cross for me, man, oh man, it begins, my, my problems become minuscule. <laughs> My problems begin to fade away because my eyes are on Jesus. And when we put our eyes on Jesus and we realize the hostility that He faced, the one who had no sin, faced it from all His, his, his mankind. Everything that He created, they came against Him. And when I begin to put my thoughts and my mind on that, then it's like, okay, I can get through this. Because you are my strength. If you suffered, then I will suffer with you, Lord. If this is of you, then I will go through it. Because I know that you will see me through. See, but I have to do that in my own mind as well. I know oftentimes we, 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 we think like, well, you're old enough in the Lord. Yeah, you probably don't struggle like I do. No, we, I think we all struggle uh, throughout our life. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, and you found this out in your own life, when you have your eyes on Jesus, it's much easier to get through the chastening, and the, the situations that you are facing. It didn't make things any less real in their lives, even when they put their focus on Jesus. But they were able to endure. They were able to have victory because Jesus endured. Jesus had victory. That is the only reason why we can have victory, because of Him in our lives. And when we put our eyes on Him, when we are looking unto Him, then we will be victorious as well. We will be conquerors because He conquered. Not in, in and of ourselves, not when we try to muster up this strength. Because we won't. We, we will not get through it without Him. And putting all in perspective helps us in our weariness. 
When we are becoming weary in what we are doing, if we put things in perspective, He will help us through it. If we put things in perspective, it will help us in our discouragement. When we begin to consider Him and consider all that He has done. When we look unto Jesus with with what we face and consider Him, we are made strong and we are encouraged in Him. Guys, that, that is the difference in our lives when we consider Him. We would consider all that he went through. And he says in verse 4, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. It kind of sounds like their hardships, what these readers were going through, had not resulted in bloodshed yet. And, and, and it's almost like he's saying, Hey man, you guys haven't, haven't even you know, shed blood yet. Quit acting like little babies. It almost sounds like that. (laughs) But see, we don't know if they had already suffered bloodshed or not in their lives. It's quite possible that because of the pressures and the persecutions that they had uh, shed blood. But that's not what he's talking about. By sin here that that he's talking about in verse 4, the writer quite possibly meant that it was the sin of those sinful men that were opposing them. In other words, he's saying, you haven't died for their sins. You haven't shed blood for them. You haven't gone through that. I have. (laughs) Or Jesus is saying, I've shed blood in this struggle against sin. But you haven't, not in that sense. You haven't even shed blood for your own sins because you can't even pay for your own sins. But he's saying, I have. Jesus has shed blood on our behalf. And so the writer's trying to encourage him, saying, you didn't have to pay for your own sins, nor are you paying for the sins of those people who are pressuring you and opposing you. But if when you consider Jesus, you begin to understand that He did. He paid for them and for you. And so the encouragement is, continue to move forward. (laughs) Continue to look unto Jesus. He has shed the blood. I I like the way the New Living Translation puts verse 4. It puts it like this. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Not for yours or anybody else's. And you see, when we put this in perspective, the fact that He has done it all on our behalf with His own blood, then we can be made strong. And we can be encouraged that He's not going to make us do those things. He has done those things on our behalf. And so when we consider Jesus, when we look unto Jesus, then we can be made strong even in our weariness. Then we can be encouraged even in our discouragement. Because when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we become weary. When we take our eyes and we don't consider Jesus, then we get discouraged. I know last week we were talking about looking unto Jesus and how easy that sounds. But it is that easy. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we we understand that, man, all of a sudden we can't do anything on our own. But when we put our eyes on Jesus, it's that easy. He will get us through. Keeping our focus on Him continually. Verses 3 and 4 in the Amplified goes like this. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison to your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your mind. Verse 4. For you have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin. Nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. He has done it all. We need to consider that. (laughs) We need to consider that Jesus has taken care of all that. And when we consider that, when we look to Him... 
keep our eyes on Him, then we understand, oh, okay, I can get through this. I can be encouraged. I can be strengthened because of who He is. Verses 5 through 8 here. It says, You have forgotten, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. With all that the readers had been dealing with, and the writer continuing to encourage them in in their walk with Christ, he asked them the question, Have you forgotten? Don't you remember that you are family? (laughs) Because he has addressed you as son. When we were singing that last song just a while ago, he knows you by name. He absolutely knows your name. Everybody else can forget your name in this world. But if God knows your name, in that sense, you are His. You are absolutely His. He addresses you by name. You are His son. You are His daughter. Have you forgotten that? (laughs) Have you forgotten that when you are struggling, when you're in in, in the middle of a a strong trial and you feel the chastening of the Lord, you feel the hand of, of God heavy upon you, in that sense, have you forgotten that you're His kid? And it's almost like the writer himself says, well, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Have, have we all forgotten what Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says? You can turn over there if you like, or else I'll just read it. It sounds the same as verses 5 and 6, but I like the way it sounds in Proverbs. It says this, 3, 11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father, the son in whom He delights. Just as a father, a father, the son in whom He delights. He delights in us. (laughs) He cares about us. The, the, The key word in this section here is chastening. It means tutelage, i.e. education, training. By implication, disciplinary correction, instruction, nurture. That's from the Strong's Concordance, from the Greek dictionary there. We, we, We need to comprehend this word chastening. That, that, that it has to do with tutelage, that it has to do with education, training, disciplinary correction, yes, <laughs> instruction and nurture. To whom the Lord loves, He educates. To whom the Lord loves, He trains and disciplines. If the Lord loves you, He corrects you, instructs you and nurtures you. Why? Because He delights in you. He totally delights in you. He can't stop thinking about you. He brags about you. That's who our God is. You guys have heard the story of Job, right? A lot of you guys have heard the story. If you haven't, you've got to read the book of Job. Here, here we have God in the heavens bragging about Job. As Satan is passing by, this is where he says, Hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? The guy is amazing. And Satan says, well, he's only amazing because you give him everything he wants. Take away what he, does, what, what he has and he will curse you to, his face, to your face. And God says this, yeah, all right, let's try it. All right. Because I know him. I brag about him all the time. Just don't touch his life. So you can do whatever you want. Now, if you know the story, you know that Job on that day loses everything, 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 everything you can possibly think of. And not one of us has ever gone through what Job went through. And yet God brags so much about him. Hey, have you considered Job? And you're probably thinking, God, please don't mention my name around Satan. (laughs) Please do not brag about me 
when Satan is like walking by, if he's anywhere in the vicinity, do not mention my name. Because we wouldn't want to go through what Job went through because most of us know the story. We're going, I don't know. No. And yet God, for some reason, allows Satan to do all these things. And you'd sit back, you're going, wait a minute. Why would you let God, God, why would you let that happen? I don't understand that. And it is hard to understand. But I think sometimes when we, we I think we have the wrong concept of, of, of discipline. I think oftentimes we associate discipline with being in trouble. Job was not in trouble. He was was being bragged upon by God. But we associate discipline with trouble. I mean, our kids do, because most of them, they are in trouble, and we, you know, discipline them. But when we associate discipline with trouble... I think it's more on the punishment side. We, 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 we punish. And there is a certain element of punishment that is associated with discipline. Punishment is, uh, you know, the, the disciplinary part of that chastening. But by and large, discipline has to do with education, training, instruct, instruction, and nurturing. He, he does that. He disciplines us to mature us and to grow us. It's an onward process. It, it continues on. Even if you're old in the, in the Lord, it, you're still going to be chastened. Do you understand that? So discipline doesn't, is not a one-time thing. It, it, it continues on. But He's not out to hurt you. Now, as I was thinking about discipline, I, I, I thought, take for instance those people who, who exercise and go to the gym. What they are doing is disciplining their bodies to get to where they want it to be. It's a discipline, right? You guys know that? I mean, I don't go there or do that, but I've heard that it's a discipline. And once you get your body to a place where you want it to be, you continue that discipline in your life to maintain that. So it's not a like, like you know, one-time kind of thing. This chastening that goes on in our life is continually. But even in those who exercise and go to the gym, there is an element of punishment. Especially in the beginning where your body is going, Why do you hate me so? Why are you doing this to me? We had such a good thing going. Why do you want to change in the middle of the stream here? It's just not right. And your body fights again and you're punishing your body and you're going, no, you're going to submit. And I'm going to fix you up. You're going to look amazing. I know right now you can't understand that. If those who exercise continue to put their bodies through that kind of punishment, it will not be healthy. There's an element of punishing your body, but you want to train it. You, 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 you want to discipline it. But if you continue to punish it, it'll die on you. It'll give up. It's like, I just can't. It's not healthy. You see, God may and sometimes does punish His children. But He doesn't do it to destroy us. Not at all. Even though you might feel like you're being destroyed, he doesn't. He would never, ever do that. Not to destroy you. That, that would be his wrath. His wrath is to destroy. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that we, as his children, are not appointed to wrath, but to salvation. But we are appointed to chastisement, <laughs> to discipline. Totally different thing. He is not out to get you. And I think that when we begin to understand this as Christians, that God is not out to get you (laughs) by His chastenings, then we can begin to be brought into maturity, to grow. Then we begin to understand these lessons. This is why He disciplines. This is why He educates. And this is why sometimes He breaks you (laughs) 
but He nurtures at the same time. He makes sure that He's going to lift you up and not leave you. In other words, when we can view the trials that we go through in life, in our Christian life, as spiritual discipline, that will help us to grow and mature. We, we, we won't be... I can't say we will never be, but we won't be always like, God, why, why, why? We'll begin to understand as we mature, as we grow, oh, this is what it means to, to be disciplined in this direction. Because if I continue going that other direction, I'm going to hurt myself. The father's chastening here is equated to an earthly father's chastening that an earthly father will chasten and discipline his son enough because he does love him. A good father will do that. A good dad will take care and make sure that he educates his son and his daughters. A good dad will make sure that, that, that he will teach him along the way and correct him when he needs to. The readers are being encouraged not to despise the chastening. Not to loathe it and scorn it and say, I don't want it. In the middle of it, I'm sure that's where we're crying. It's like, stop already. But he's saying, don't despise that. Don't be discouraged with the rebuke, he says. When God corrects us, don't be discouraged. (laughs) And even the punishment... The scourging that the Lord might bring, it's a form of love and acceptance that you are His Son. He wouldn't do it to you if you were not His son or daughter. He could care less about you if you weren't His. Side note here. I put this in big bold letters. I didn't want to forget this. (laughs) There's something to be said here as to why it's a father's responsibility to take on this role of being disciplinarian. Not that moms can't be disciplinarians, not that they're exempt from being, you know, having this responsibility. They have their roles, moms do. But being a dad is not for little girls. (laughs) It's not. You're, You're to man up and take this responsibility from God when we're looking at this, how God chastises and disciplines because of his love because he wants to correct his sons and daughters that is the role that he has given to many of us as dads and we are to take that responsibilities and moms I would like to exhort you please don't make your husbands put on little skirts and act like girls they have their role Oh, you just need to be more sensitive. Yes, there's times for nurturing from a dad, but most of the time, his job is to correct his kids. And oftentimes, you as ladies, it's like, don't do that to him. It's like, okay, moms, if you continue to do that, I can guarantee you they will bring shame to you. They will bring shame. Men, it is a heavy responsibility to be the, the, the to take on this role but please do not abuse it as a dictator or lording it over them i refer both moms and dads to the book of proverbs live in it it teaches you what it means to be a disciplinarian it tells you why this book is being written from a father to his son that he needs to take heed to these examples to these instructions I think many of us, we can go back to times and say, man, if I only would have paid attention to my mom and dad. (laughs) A child that is chastened and disciplines, he knows who his daddy is. He knows. They know. They know that their daddy cares for them because he cares enough about them to, to, to discipline them, to chasten them. Because that is their son or daughter. And too many kids don't really know if they are loved. 
They have no one to educate them and train them. They have no one disciplining them and telling them no <laughs> to correct them and in instruction and or instruct them and even nurture them on a regular basis. There's no one that has taken the responsibility for them and they're just running out there going, somebody tell me no. Tell me, tell, somebody tell me I shouldn't be doing this in my life. Guys, when I'm on campus and I talk to so many of these kids that are wrapped up in all this stuff and they can do whatever they want and they're looking at me going, somebody tell me no. Nobody can tell me no. Nobody tells me no. I was a little kid and nobody has told me no. And this is where I'm at now. <laughs> And all these things are happening in my life because nobody has taken control. And man, so many times I just feel like, God, I just want to snatch them and take them home and say, tell Blanca, be their mom. Take care of them. You know how to do that. Man, in my heart, is, man, I, I would love to break them. <laughs> to show them that I love them. Enough to say, don't. Knock it off. But nobody's doing that in our society right now. Because men are being sissified and they're not taking on that role of responsibility to discipline their children. So moms, be careful. <laughs> Let your dads be dads. But dads, don't abuse it. Read First Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about the love of a mom and the love of a father. Okay, I'm going to knock my soapbox. God loves us too much, guys, not to discipline us. He loves us too much not to chasten us. He has given us a whole manual right here on what it means to educate us from Him, training, discipline, correcting, instruction, and even nurturing. He has given it to us through His Word. The readers were not to make light of, of this chastening, but they were to endure it as from a loving father to the sons in whom he delighted in. And verse 8 of this chapter is a heavy, heavy, strong verse. <clears throat> and I think it was meant to be a strong verse to drive home the point that if they are being chastened, it is because they are part of the family. Verse 8, it says, And if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. The Amplified puts it like this. Now if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offspring and not true sons at all. You're not part of the family. If you're not being disciplined, you're not part of the family. And, and there's a very strong word here in this, cha in, in this verse. It's illegitimate. And when you look it up in the Strong's, or if you, if you have a, 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 a King James Version, you know what it says. That word is a very strong word. Illegitimate means bastard. You are a bastard. And it, it is one who is born not in lawful wedlock, but of a concubine or a female slave. And those who were born in that were not part of the family. Those who were born illegitimate like that in those times had no right to the inheritance of the family. Because they were not from mom and dad. They were from another, outside of wedlock. It's a strong verse <laughs> to say, man, if you're not being chastised, then you are illegitimate. You're not part of the family. And the Bible tells us that we have been adopted into the family. The Bible tells us that we are now heirs and joint heirs with Christ. But you have to be part of the family. <laughs> and he throws it out there to anyone, to, 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 whom, to whoever believes, you are now part of the family. So, if you are part of the family, do not be surprised with the chastening of the Lord. It legitimizes, it legitimizes that you are a true son. 
It really does. And I know in the middle of it, you're going, I'm going to treat a son like this. It's like, yeah, because he loves you enough. It legitimizes you being part of the family when you're being chastised. All of God's children are chastised. Every one of them. Every one of God's children have been uh, baptized. (laughs) Chastised. Next week, baptism. Um, No plug. Because if you're not being disciplined like all the other children, then you must not be part of the family, is, is what this verse is saying. Verses 9 through 11. It says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, chastised us as seemed best to them. But He, for our profit that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now, no chastising seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Many of us had, or have had, a healthy fear of our fathers. Especially us who are a little older. We have a healthy fear of our fathers. We would never even think of talking back to them. Ever. We would never challenge our fathers in what they told us. You just didn't do that. Not like we hear nowadays from kids. We paid them respect because we knew the consequences. We understood. And our fathers did the best they knew how. And they weren't perfect by any means. But we paid them respect. Many of them didn't get it right in the way they disciplined. But we still feared them. We knew what they were capable of. We respected them. Good or bad, right or wrong, (laughs) there was a healthy fear for them. And they were just merely flesh. But we paid them honor somehow. Shouldn't we (laughs) all the more place ourselves under the authority of God, who is not flesh, but spirit, who is perfect in every way, not almost perfect, Not practically perfect, perfect in every way. Shouldn't we put ourselves under His authority? Because with our earthly fathers, there was limitations. But our relationship with our heavenly Father is eternal, unlimited. We should fall under that. Understanding that He will never abuse you. He will never hurt you. Whatever He does in His chastising, it is to grow you up and mature you. It is for your good. (laughs) And this phrase in in verse 9 where it says, and live, carries with it not just eternal life, but true life here on earth. The ideal life here today because of our relationship with our God in heaven. We can have that kind of life, an ideal life with Him. I think oftentimes we look at God and we, 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 we think, well, if God is like my dad, I don't know if I want to have anything to do. It's like, no, he's not. Not at all. He's a good father all the time. His discipline is calculated. It's exact. He knows what you need when you need it, even if you don't. You know, when we tell our kids, we know what you need. And it's like, no, you don't, mom. It's like, yes, I do. God chastising is for our good. It is profitable, it says. It is not just to mature us and grow us up in our Christian walk, but it is so that we can become partakers or sharers in His holiness. In other words, so that we might become holy like Him. 
that we might resemble him. At the time of discipline or chastising, it is not enjoyable. (laughs) Just ask any kid. It's not enjoyable when me and you are being chastised by the Lord. When we're being disciplined, we, we, it's hard for us to enjoy that. It always seems to be more painful than joyful at the time of discipline. But later on, those who learn from that discipline do have peace. That comes from doing what is right because He has taught us what is right. He teaches us along the way. It's only when we look back sometimes it's like, gosh, he knew exactly what he was doing and allowing in my life. Now I can see. And that's how kids are when they grow up. Because many of you can look back and say, man, my dad, my mom, they did these things or they did, and I couldn't understand it back then. Whether they got it right or wrong, you learn from it what to do or not to do. It's important for us to remember this so that we can grow and mature in our chastising and not despise the chastising of the Lord. It is for our good. Discipline is not only good, it is necessary. It is necessary in our lives. Don't despise it. God loves us enough to do, to, to chastise us. Again, I want to read Proverbs 3, 11 and and 12, just because I like it. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Today, I don't know what everybody is going through in this room. You might be going through some growing pains right now. As God's nurturing you and, and maturing you, you might be going through through so much right now. Maybe you've been going through it for a while, and you're thinking, "Lord, when is this ever going to be done?" But let me encourage you: do not let the enemy, Satan, tell you lies that it is because God doesn't love you that you're going through this. Don't let him lie to you like that. Oh, he will bring it up time and time again. But put things in perspective. If you are His, then the chastening is from Him, even if He allows Satan to do stuff in our lives, just like Job. He will see us through. I don't understand oftentimes why He lets us go through what we're going through, but if it is of Him, and we put that in perspective, then Lord, I know You will get me through. I will keep my eyes on You. I battle it just like You battle it at times. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when I focus on Him, then I get through anything in my life. And it may be hard to understand why He does let those things happen, but He never, ever told us to understand Him. He just told us to trust Him. He told us to trust Him no matter the circumstances or the consequences that happen in our lives. So, trust Him. And for those of you who might be here this morning and you know that you are not part of this family, today God offers you adoption into the family so that you can be a part of the family. And and you might be here as as someone who is not part of the family going, wait a minute, hold on. Why would I want to be a part of a family that disciplines me? It's like because you'll know that you're loved. Because where you're at right now, you will be abused and used and spit out and nobody will care about that. This world won't care about that. But He does. He wants to show you that love this morning. If you're here and you don't know Him, please don't leave here without asking Him into your life. We're going to sing a song in a few, few minutes. And I just want to encourage you, even as we stand and as we pray, that if you need Jesus, I'm going to be down here in the front, and you just come, come on up, and I want to lead you in the prayer of salvation. 
If you've, if you've already accepted Jesus, that's not what I'm down here for. There, there'll be prayer teams, and you need prayer for other stuff, go to them. Or you can go to them, they'll lead you to Christ too. But if you need Jesus, man, don't leave here without him. Become part of the family, because he truly does love you. And for the rest of you guys, he loves you. He loves you so much that he'll even discipline you. Amen? It's like, no, I don't want to say amen. No, it's amen. It's good. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, I do want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word this morning. Father, even as we learn about your love in such a way, Lord God, that sometimes hurts, but it's because you love us so much. And Father, I do pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, I don't know what they're struggling with, what they're battling, what they're being pressured with right now. But Lord, help them to look unto you, to consider you in their life. That, Lord, you are allowing things to happen in their life, Lord God, and that you will see them through as they turn to you. And so help them, Lord, right now in their lives. I pray for anybody here, Lord God, who does not know you. Lord, you've been, you've been touching their hearts. You've been drawing them to a place of salvation, Lord, and they've fought it. And I pray that this morning they will surrender. Lord, you've offered them adoption so that they can be a part of the family and go to heaven. And I pray that this morning, Lord, they would just finally surrender and come to you, Father. And so we pray for the hearts of those who might not know you right now, Lord. Please bring them to your saving knowledge. Love them enough, Lord God. I know you do. Go with us now, I ask. Give us strength. Help us not to be weary in doing well. Help us to be encouraged, not discouraged. As we focus on you, as we consider you. And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Be blessed this week. And again, if you need prayer right here, if you want to accept Jesus, come on down.